God saw right away what we were dragging behind us when we came into this service. We started to believe we would just drag that burden around for all our days because, after all, that's what we deserve. When I was serving St. Matthew's Lutheran Church out in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, the congregation would occasionally hold joint worship services with the two closest church neighbors, St. Andrew's down the hill on one side, St. Andrew's Episcopal, and uh, St. Matthew's United Church of Christ on the other. And I always enjoyed, we hosted those services sometimes, of course, but I always enjoyed when these services took place in one of those neighboring churches. It was just fun to get a feel for what it was like worshiping in those other beautiful old country churches. At St. Matthew's United Church of Christ, you entered the building uh, at ground level, of course, but the, the sanctuary, the worship space, you had to go upstairs, which was never great for uh, the, the older folks. And the fellowship hall, uh, hall was downstairs, kind of like a, a split-level home. And during worship there at uh, St. Matthew's United Church of Christ, you received Holy Communion by staying seated in your pew as the bread and grape juice. Uh, they did not use wine for some major theological reason that actually caused a split in the congregation a hundred years or so ago. But uh, the, 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 the bread and the grape juice were passed down uh, the pew uh, down the row, and you communed right there in place. Uh, they even had tiny little cup holders drilled into the hymnal rack in the pews, so this approach to communion was built right into the architecture. Now, St. Andrew's Episcopal Church had been around about 170 years, like the other two congregations. The relatively small sanctuary had a kind of do-it-yourself, simple construction to my mind every time I went in there. The old church still had the original box pews with little doors at the end of each row giving you a kind of safe and cozy feel when you sat down in your place. This church had a very little house-on-the-prairie feel to it, both the look of it and the language of their old prayer book liturgy which I always struggled to find my place where I was supposed to be. Uh, this was especially true when, it, when we picked up the Episcopal Book of Prayer to recite the corporate uh, confession. Almighty and most merciful God, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. And the confession continues, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. Devices and desires, it always struck me as such interesting language. The prayer continues, we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And then the first phrase that causes you to squirm a bit, and there is no health in us. No health? I mean, no health at all? And the line later, we get another squirmer, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. <laughs> it used to almost make me laugh out loud. I mean, 
miserable offenders. I mean, I may not be perfect, but miserable offender with no health in me? Well, this kind of brutal honesty is a long tradition in the Scriptures and in Christian worship. Think of the verse of the hymn we sang just last week, I think, Amazing Grace, which is probably the most popular hymn in the English-speaking world. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch. I mean, I may not be perfect, but a wretch? Wretch is so offensive, apparently, that some hymnals and popular renditions substitute another word, usually soul. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. That's a bit easier to sing with conviction, I guess. Conviction. It sounds to me like the author of Psalm 51, which Brent read for us, would go ahead and stay with wretch. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. Sometimes it feels like we may be a little better at the confession part than we are at the being forgiven part. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me, Psalm 51 says. I drag them around with me, even though they cause misery and hardship and keep me from the joy of your salvation. I am reminded of the scene in the movie The Mission, where the Jesuit priest, played by Robert De Niro, ties a giant rope net to his body, which is filled with the heavy metal armor he wore to protect himself when he went into those jungles as a slaver to kidnap indigenous people. Now, he would go into the same jungles as a missionary, nearly naked and unprotected, as they make their way through the dense forest and scale steep rock faces. He drags that heavy metal in a big bundle Uh, attached to him by a rope. He drags it behind him as a kind of penance and punishment for sins he believes are unforgivable. The journey deep into the rainforest was beyond difficult as it was, but dragging that burden made it nearly impossible. There's a moment where one of the tribesmen approaches the Jesuit priest with a, a knife But rather than killing him, he cuts the rope binding the heavy load and he just simply rolls it off the cliff and it falls into the river below. And the priest played by De Niro weeps openly for a long time. And all the tribes people laugh and laugh with joy and there's this moment where you can feel the power of true forgiveness. Not only the granting of it, but in the receiving of that kind of undeserved and unexpected grace and mercy, it washes over the face of the priest. 
Our second reading for this Sunday is from Hebrews. In Hebrews 12, Paul says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Lay aside every weight and sin. This is much harder than it sounds. I think we're more inclined to tie that stuff to our backs and drag it around everywhere we go, if we're honest. The liturgies in our own Lutheran hymn books have reminded us that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Many of you are reciting that with me in your mind's memory. Our forgiveness has been declared. The sharp edge of the knife was used to cut the rope, binding us to our old burden of sin and sending it over the cliff. We can leave this service this morning and pretend like that isn't true. Like nothing out of the ordinary happened here. And I think we have the tendency to do just that. What did you do today? Well, I worshiped with my church online. Oh, really? I mean, what happens during those services? Well, we prayed. We, there was singing, uh, the preached word. We give our offerings online or we send them in. We greet each other in the comments. Hmm. Did, uh, did God do anything? If you Tune into a church service on television today and see a stadium full of people. You are not likely to hear much talk about confession or sin. Many church growth gurus over the years recommend that, you know, you should eliminate prayers of confession from the service. All that stuff about death and sin and mortality and morality and my shortcomings and failures, it's a real downer for people. And I suppose they're right. If your main goal is to build numbers. But we started this service with a prayer of confession. We owned up to our human brokenness. We said it out loud to God and in the online presence of one another. We said our sin is heavy and we long to be free. And here is what God did. God saw right away what we were dragging behind us when we came into this service. We started to believe we would just drag that burden around for all our days because, after all, that's what we deserve. We even started to let other people stuff their own garbage into our net because we know we don't fit their standards either. So here is what God did. God welcomed us. God loved us. God washed our feet for us and died for us. God called us child and fed us. That bundle of old armor and garbage has been cut free and thrown into the cliff by God. 
Our sin is heavy, we said. We long to be free. And Pastor Natalia reminded us, she declared to us, the wisdom and power of God, by that wisdom your sins are forgiven, and she went on, God remembers them no more. Imagine. Whatever it was clinging to us when we entered this time of worship is not clinging now. You have been forgiven, and if you're going to continue to let the same sins cling to you and weigh you down, (laughs) you're going to have to pick them up as if for the first time after the service concludes. The psalmist writes, Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. But then comes the big ask. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. In other words, if it's not too much to ask, Lord, please erase my sins before you even look at me. And God in Christ says, yeah, I can do that for you. I have done that for you. And the next part of the psalm is so achingly beautiful and beloved that many of us grew up thinking it was actually part of our Lutheran hymn book rather than straight out of the scriptures. Whether that hymn book happened to have been the black book or the red book or the green book or the cranberry. Many of us learned it like this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew our right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew our right spirit within me and God said yeah I can do that for you I have done that for you so if anyone asks you tell them that's what God did Let's hear it one more time. Beloved, God's word never fails. The promise rests on grace. By the saving love of Jesus Christ, the wisdom and power of God, your sins are forgiven, and God remembers them no more. As if that weren't enough to get us through one more day, the other thing God did this morning was to say to each of us, this is my body given for you, my blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sin. Uh, The rope has been cut, the bundle has been shoved off the cliff, and it's splashed in the river below. You are not the same 
as you were when you started this service. So now you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.